Welcome back to the program. We are a culture obsessed with youth. We're told that youth is wasted on the young, but we do everything in our power to stay young. Growing up is seen as giving up. We're told that with each passing year, doors close behind us and ahead of us. In short, youth is and has been the foundational cultural idea of the West for almost half a century. From the 60s mantra of never trust anyone over 30 to today when boomers are being pushed out by millennials. Given the negative light cast on maturity, why would anyone ever want to defy Peter Pan and ever grow up? We're going to talk about this idea today with my guest, Susan Neiman. She's director of the Einstein Forum. She studied philosophy at Harvard and the Free University of Berlin. She was a professor of philosophy at Yale, and she's the author of previous books and articles translated into multiple languages. It is my pleasure to welcome Susan Neiman here to talk about Why Grow Up? Subversive Thoughts for an Infantile Age. Susan Neiman, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you here. There is a sense in the culture that to grow up, to, to really become mature, is somehow a negative idea. It's a kind of grim idea. Talk a little bit about that first. Well, I think, first of all, we're told that growing up means resigning ourselves in multiple ways, resigning ourselves to, as you just said, our own possibilities being uh, uh, getting smaller every day, um, but also to the idea that um, uh, we can't really change anything. Uh, there used to be a, uh, a saying in English, uh, we don't use the word socialism anymore, I know, but um, it used to be said, who's, uh, whoever is not a socialist at the age of 20 has no heart, and whoever is still a socialist at the age of 40 uh, has no head. And, uh, you know, translated into contemporary language, it's the same idea. When you're 20, um, you're expected to... Um, ask questions, perhaps um, uh, be outraged at the way the world is. And by 40, you're supposed to have uh, resigned yourself to it. And that's, of course, um, an awful picture. And uh, given that that's what we've heard, by the way, not just... Um, not just since the 60s. I think since Peter Pan was first written in 1911, um, as far as I can tell, it's the first instance in literature of somebody refusing to grow up as a hero. Um, we've had an, an extremely negative picture of what it means to be an adult. Is there a nexus, though, in contemporary culture, certainly in the past 50 years, between our youthful obsessions, whether it's looking young, acting young, being young, the nexus between those youthful obsessions and this denial of maturity and this refusal to grow up, though? Partly, but I don't think that's the main problem. Um, I mean, uh, look at the way our language functions. If we want to give somebody a compliment, we say, um, oh, but you look much younger. <laughs> uh, instead of saying, you, know, you look great, right? Um, or if we want to say that somebody is, you know, still alive and has energy and is interested in the world and takes part in things, he's remained young at heart. <laughs> and we don't even notice with these kind of banalities how much we're equating looking good with looking young or being alive with uh, feeling young in some sense. And the interesting thing is it harms, of course, those of us who are over 40, I think it does even more harm to people who are under it because they have 
absolutely nothing to look forward to. When they keep hearing things like youth is wasted on the young um, or, you know, enjoy the best years of, of uh, your life, uh, what they're getting is, in fact, a very ominous and very threatening message, which is everything else is going to be worse. In fact, I think we totally over-idealize the ages between, let's say, 18 and 28. Um, we, those of us who are beyond them, I don't know a single person who would like to repeat them. <laughs> Not one. Um, but uh, they're actually extremely difficult years, and we make them much harder by telling young people that they're the best years of their lives. How much of, though, has to do with marketing in our culture and that we set up a whole series of things that are supposed to be attractive about being young, but we don't have a countervailing set of things that are supposed to be attractive about becoming more mature? Now, I agree with you completely. That is the problem. Um, but it's, it's not just the marketing of, um, it, you know, things that are supposed to be associated with youth, you know, billions of dollars on, uh, you know, whatever kinds of cosmetics or whatever kinds of magic is supposed to make people look younger. Um, in fact, um, what we understand as um, being grown up is deeply connected essentially with accumulating toys. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a bumper sticker uh, a while ago in, in the States where uh, we just had the simple, uh, simple wording, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Right. And I think is uh, an extremely telling commentary on the kind of values that we have in our culture. Namely, um, we tell people that growing up is about accumulating lots of toys. But crucially, we don't describe smartphones or cars or, um, you know, similar things as toys. Um, they're tools without which no uh, adult life is supposed to be complete, okay? But while we're busy accumulating toys <clears throat> and told that this is really what, well, what life is about, but um, certainly what grown-up life is about, we forget the fact that the real important decisions, which ought to be adult decisions, who owns the world? Who's decided that, you know, trillions of dollars should be earned by an arms industry while we hear that we don't have enough money you know, to rescue poor children uh, in neighborhoods. Who has decided that that's the way the world runs? But all of those kinds of questions um, <clears throat> get drowned in the barrage of you really need this new toy if you're going to be an upstanding, you know, uh, uh, self-respecting grown-up, and that's crazy. One of the things that we've seen is is a movement a little bit away from the toys themselves to experiences. We hear a lot about experiential kinds of things replacing some of those physical toys. Is there something in that that is a positive omen moving in the direction that we're talking about? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that I argue for in the book is, for example, that the experience of not just taking a two-week trip and, you know, sampling the cooking elsewhere, but genuinely living in another, living and working in another culture um, is... Uh, 
an unforgettable experience, which really is part of growing up, not just because one finds out so much more about other people, but because one thereby finds out uh, a lot about oneself. And that's the kind of experience that, by the way, is available even to people with very little money. Um, there are <clears throat> one of the things that the Internet has made easier is uh, to work abroad. And there are you know, hundreds of thousands of opportunities for people, um, you know, where, I mean, not, I'm not talking about earning a lot of money by going and working in the uh, foreign branch of your country. I'm talking about taking time to work in, you know, anything from, uh, you know, archaeological expeditions in Siberia to, you know, teaching orphans in Uganda. I mean, they're, they're just sort of random examples that I came up with on the web. Um, and those are experiences that I would strongly urge everybody to take as much a part of as possible, and people are doing that. If, however, of course, you're doing it to put on your college, you know, application, that's another, that's another problem. I mean, that is, uh, that's um, already turning into a commodity, a kind of experience that just should be good for itself. As we see more boomers aging, this huge generation that has always wanted to put its imprimatur on, on the culture, could we see a greater appreciation of aging and maturity? I think we could and we do. Um, we see at the same time a lot of, um, you know, kind of nasty remarks about it. I mean, as an example, um, you know, there <clears throat> often tours of, um, you know, major musicians, musicians, songwriters, um, are is often accompanied by a, you know, sort of snarky newspaper article, you know, when are they going to get off stage finally? And if you actually have been to a concert of um, three amazing concerts that I saw in the last couple of years, Leonard Cohen, who just turned 80, uh, Bob Dylan, who's 73, uh, Bruce Springsteen, who's the youngest of uh, them at 65, uh, what one notices is not only are they, you know, still doing great concerts, they're writing some of their best songs. And uh, I think those ought to be, um, you know, good examples for all of us. Um, examples about growing up, examples about growing up in the limelight, examples about failing, too, and doing things that are ridiculous and getting up and coming up with second, third, fourth, and fifth acts. So I do think that you see something like that uh, beginning to take place in the culture. I just wish people wouldn't be so snarky about it. You know, on the other hand, it's, it's certainly not... Um, I think in African-American culture, <clears throat> that's less surprising. I mean, the great blues uh, musicians uh, did, you know, and some of them are still around, you know, playing in their 70s and 80s. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I do think that, uh, and I'm sort of tail end of the boomer generation myself, um, I do think that we're seeing some changes at the same time. Um, I think it's important for those of us to actually think about 
um, what it means to grow up and to stop saying things like, you know, 60 is the new 40, which is another way of saying young at heart, you know, I mean, why, why, why does 60 have to be the new 40? Uh, yes, it's true. We all live longer. Um, if we do what we're supposed to do, we can also live uh, more healthily. So yes, um, historically, we have options um, that... Um, that weren't always available to earlier generations. But I think we need to seize the discourse and uh, not be embarrassed about it. And I do know many, uh, many of my contemporaries or people who are a little older um, who are uneasy about seizing the discourse just because it permeates so much of what we do. Can we define a difference between maturity as it relates to thought processes and, and views of the world and all the things that we've been talking about versus physical appearance. Can the two be separated? Can we say that 60 is the new 40 in terms of physicality without it relating to immaturity in other ways? Well, those are sort of two good questions. Um, I mean, one is, um, does being 60 necessarily mean that you're grown up? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I take growing up very seriously. This is why I go into um, what um, two of the most important uh, philosophers of of all time had to say about it. That is, um, first of all, that very few of us are willing to um, exert the amount of energy it takes um, and courage that it takes to genuinely grow up in the sense of genuinely thinking for yourself, genuinely taking your life in your own hands. We're lazy and we're scared. Uh, In democratic countries, we're scared of nothing worse than the risk of embarrassment, which I think is really interesting and sad. Um, We don't have to worry about being, uh, you know, put into jail for uh, saying what we think. Uh, We just have to worry about uh, being ridiculed. And uh, that's an extremely sad state of affairs. But the interesting thing is uh, that both of the philosophers whom I talk about, Rousseau and Kant, say it's not just that we're too lazy and too scared to grow up. We live in a culture that doesn't really have an interest in having uh, grown-up citizens because they're much more trouble. Um, And uh, so I think it's very important to recognize it's not just all on us. We live in a culture where nowadays, uh, not through censorship um, in in democratic countries, um, but through a whole series of distractions, would much prefer that we think about, oh, exactly what smartphone should I buy, than to think about... um, you know, hey, why is there a trillion-dollar arms industry and I'm still hearing that there's not enough money for food in the world, you know? One of the things that may be altering it a little bit is the pushback that we're seeing towards millennials and a perception of immaturity on their part that may be making older people kind of sit up and take notice. Um... Let's see. Well, so I'm a I'm a um, boomer myself, I guess, and uh, but I've got kids who are all millennials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have, you know, I have two horses in this in this race, and um, I am not sure that I agree with this perception of immaturity in millennials. 
um, in themselves. I mean, when I look at my kids and their friends and, uh, you know, what they're thinking about and doing it. I think that a lot of the culture of social media is indeed um, horrendously adolescent. And, um, you know, it's very, very hard to escape that these days. I mean, it's very, even when I, you know, uh, make the suggestion that people sort of have regular breaks from the internet, which I mean, you know, this is not an original suggestion. Even the Huffington Post uh, goes on about that occasionally. And everybody who does it says immediately, uh, my thinking and my experience completely changed when I went offline for a week. But you will meet many, many people who say it's impossible. I cannot with my life, um, you know, escape the. Um, escape the the net or the social media and the speed at which it comes. And uh, I think that is certainly a problem that one didn't have to worry about earlier. But I'm not sure I would say, I mean, you could give me some examples that perhaps I haven't thought of. I wouldn't say on the whole that the millennial generation is is really more infantile than another. At least I don't see it. But what are you? What, there, what there kinds a, of things are you thinking right, about? There, there is a perception of it of as being certainly more self-centered, more entitled, more narrow in it in its way of thinking, more only associating with people like themselves. I mean, there's a whole panoply of things that often get associated with millennials that would generally fall under the rubric of immaturity or adolescence. Yeah, and I think some of that is worth pointing out. Um, Some of that's very much worth pointing out. On the other hand, of course, uh, you know, one reads about and and continues to meet young people who are doing really quite Mm -hmm. brave and interesting things who are really uh, extremely concerned about the way the world looks at the moment, many of whom... Um, don't have clear ideas about where exactly they could be engaged to make things better. Um, again, maybe I'm, um, you know, maybe I've been exposed to too many really thoughtful millennials, but I, I certainly think that they're out there. And they're quite concerned about the world that we have left them. <laughs> you know? What, if anything, do you see out there as as any kind of positive signs that maybe the pendulum could swing in the other direction? Yeah, I do see some positive signs, but that has to do with certain cultural and political currents that uh, you see in uh, as different sources as uh, the current pope, and I'm not a Catholic, but I follow this pope with great uh, great interest and admiration, and the success of a book like Thomas Piketty's, mm-hmm. you know, and they are both going in the same direction, saying the way that we have been going, certainly for the last 25 years, um, I mean, longer, but let's restrict it to 25 years, it cannot go on like that. And these are people who are asking really large-scale questions about the future of the planet, questions about justice, um, questions about deep values. And the fact that, and you know, there are other, um, other signs as well, but let's, let's take those as, those were my 
two favorite uh, pieces of good news of the year 2014. Um, the fact that so many people are uh, responding uh, to those messages means that instead of being distracted by toys, that they're really asking grown-up questions and beginning to think about grown-up solutions. Um, so that is, uh, for me, actually, the most hopeful sign of the last, uh, last year or two. To what extent is that the kind of magic thing that we see in our culture today wrapped up in, in all these things that we've been talking about? Well, look, um, the idea is that if we're just positive enough, uh, uh, you, you know, we can make everything better. That's a neoliberal lie, okay? <laughs> and it serves the interests of people who do not want uh, to ask serious questions about the way our uh, culture and our government are organized, right? So, I mean, this is true on on every front. Yeah, sure, um, being uh, upbeat, uh, I mean upbeat, being, um, being able to be enthusiastic and, uh, you know, energetic and working hard, those are all good things. Um, but um, they don't compensate for the fact that there are very serious structural problems that have to be overcome. And as far as the reality of aging, um, it, you know, we all get necessarily older. We, uh, we will all die. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily grow up, right? Right. Um, and what, you know, thinking about these larger questions, um, <clears throat> understanding that... Uh, getting older doesn't mean resigning oneself to the way the world is. Um, it's not magic thinking, but, and it won't make everything better, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not, um, uh, I didn't write a, a sort of self-help, um, how 60 can be the new 40 right. book. Um, and I make clear that growing up is not easy. Um, it's not something, uh, it also involves confronting a lot of things that are painful and that are necessarily painful. But, uh, so I don't argue that uh, it will make things magically better and everybody could be happy, uh, you know, if only they thought about it positively. But it will make things better, and it will make one's life feel, first of all, more meaningful, and secondly, more in one's own hands. Susan Neiman, her book is Why Grow Up? Subversive Thoughts for an Infantile Age. Susan, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. We'll take a break. Bye -bye. I'll be right back. 